On this week's episode of Empower, I am joined by two of our young professionals, and we talk about everything ranging from the vote to the census and how they're continuing to adjust in the coronavirus. It's about the vote. Vote, vote, vote. We want to make sure you're prepared for the upcoming election. Tune in this week to Empower. Empower is a podcast presented by the Houston Area Urban League that serves to inform young professionals about the Urban League, its programs, and the various civic and social topics pertinent to the community they serve. Welcome back to the Empower podcast presented each and every week by the Houston Area Urban League. Today, as always, I'm joined by some very special guests. We have Jasmine Turner and Marquia Bordeaux. Uh, and ladies, I'm not sure who wants to go first. I think I'm going to kick it to Marquia, but, you know, tell us about yourself, how you came into contact with the Urban League and about that journey. Hey, everybody. So I'm Marquia Bordeaux. I am a social worker in Houston, um, and I first got involved with Urban League when my organization I work for, Be The Match, um, was a sponsor of one of the galas, and I met Dion, who's the Hall YP president, um, he invited me to um, come speak at their general body meeting. And then after that, it was a wrap. I mean, I just loved everyone. I loved everything about Urban League. Um, I signed up to be a member and it's been going on two years. So I am, I'm, I'm loving it. Nice. Uh, hey everyone, uh, my name is Jasmine Turner. I am the uh, former president of Houston Area Urban League Young Professionals uh, currently work as a, a consultant in the nonprofit space. And I joined the Urban League in 2011. Uh, so I'm coming up on 10 years. I'm almost there. Um, but I, I don't even know if I remember my first event. I know it was sometime in 2010, but I didn't, I didn't take the plunge until, until 2011. Um, but it was a it was a, a fun ride. I served on a few committees, served on the board, served under Ray, became president, and then uh, was in retirement for a little while. And now I'm out of retirement and and back at and back at it. So, so I guess Jasmine, two quick follow up questions for you. Um, you know, why did you feel the need to step up to lead? We'll start there, and then I have. One other question. Okay. Um, I actually was voluntold to lead. Um, my first my first position on the board was a civic engagement chair in 2013. And uh, Tanisha Hudspeth and Samson Babalola, they basically told me I was going to be civic engagement chair and that I would be great. And that's so it was kind of an accident. I didn't. I didn't necessarily believe in myself at the time, but uh, it. I guess it worked out. Now you say you you went into retirement, um, which I I I have not achieved that yet. I think <laughs> I did briefly, very briefly. Yeah, um, about six months or so. Yeah. Why Why did you come out of retirement? That's a great question. So I. Uh, came out of retirement mainly because we were all at home and <laughs> during COVID and I, I still like I still follow the chapter and so I was seeing all the virtual events so it was easy to kind of plug in 
um, and stay engaged virtually. It was my schedule was getting a little crazy uh, before and I had I kind of have picked up some other activities. And so I just wasn't as engaged uh, after I, after my presidency. But then when everything went virtual, I was like, oh, I can get back online and see what see what everybody's doing. <laughs> OK, well, no, we, we appreciate both of you for stepping up. Uh, to join YP and to lead, you know, Jasmine has done so formally, Marquia doing so informally, um, but she's definitely been somebody who stood out as a member and as a leader within the organization, which is why I asked you uh, to join us here today. Now, what we want to talk about primarily is concerning the vote. The National Urban League earlier this year launched their campaign of Reclaim the Vote in conjunction with several civil rights organizations as well as with BET. And recently, I think about a week or two ago, uh, President Moriel, our National Urban League President CEO, laid out those five steps when it comes to reclaiming the vote as it relates to making sure that you're registered to vote, uh, checking what your voting options are based on uh, your state or your municipality, knowing the candidates and the issues that are on your respective ballot, finding your polling location, and then of course, you know, vote, vote, vote. Now, if you live in Houston, Harris County, uh, you can go to harrisvotes.com to get, you know, information on your ballot, your polling place. I think when I checked a couple of days ago, they hadn't uploaded it yet uh, for the upcoming general election because we did just finish up uh, the runoff for our primaries. Uh, and then if you are not in Harris County, you can go to votetexas.gov. And as it relates to candidates and issues, you have different things like Ballotpedia, uh, you have the League of Women Voters, there's different resources that you can go to to get that information. Uh, but before we you know, get into all of the gory details, so to speak, I wanted to see for this most recent uh, runoff that took place on July 14th, what your respective experiences were, um, you know, did you early vote? Did you wait to election day? Did you feel safe? Just kind of give us a rundown of what that looked like. Um, so I I early voted. Um, my polling place is the shrine of the, well, the place I chose to vote was the shrine of the Black Madonna. Um, so I voted there. There was no line, um, but they had all of the markers for the six feet. There was a hand washing or a hand sanitizer um, station. Um, although there was no hand sanitizer left, but it was there. So I'm assuming at the point there was something in there. Um, and I actually was one of the people that thought that you could vote by mail for this election. So I had a um, the vote by mail ballot. So I had to take that with me for them to allow me to vote in person. So I took that with me and that that person, he had, you know, the hand sanitizer, the wipes, the gloves, um, the little plastic thing that you use to like touch everything that was available. Um, I believe, I don't remember if there were shields up in front. I don't think that there were, but everybody in there was socially distant. Of course, you, your polling place or your polling booth is distant from all the others. That's kind of always the case. But um but no, I, I thought it was fine. And even if there were, you know, more people in there, I still think that they would have done a good job of trying to make sure people stay, stay distant from one another. 
Yeah, I, my experience was just like Jasmine's. I went in, um, they were really slow. I was actually the only person in there who voted and they were shocked when I walked in, but um, there was hand sanitizer. There was um, these little finger gloves you can use like to turn the little dial. Um, and they were gloved up. They had like the face shields and everything. Um, and I mean, I was in and out. It probably took me 10 minutes to vote. So I felt good about it. I felt that they took, you know, all the precautions to, you know, sanitize, keep everyone distanced. Um, it was, it was pretty good. And I had a, a similar experience. I went to St. Mary's on the very first day of early voting and I was the only person in there at that point. And everybody had on masks. They had the face shields up. They had on gloves. They gave me, I guess what a lot of people are describing as uh, finger condoms, depending on who you're talking to, to make sure that you know I was able to use the rotary dial on the machine. And I timed myself from the point where I got out of my car to where I got back to my car and it was like four minutes and some change, I think. So, but I mean, I already knew exactly who I was voting for because I had gotten my sample ballot from harrisvotes.com and they did have hand sanitizer, uh, but that is definitely good feedback that we can give to the county clerk's office uh, with Chris Hollins and Tanisha, now Hutspeth Babalola uh, and that team over there, they're doing some great work in terms of trying to ensure that we do have a safe election with the program that they rolled out uh, and they're trying to continue to improve it. I know they even tested out the drive through voting uh, in some locations. And I heard, you know, some pretty good feedback on that as well. And Jasmine, you also mentioned the piece about the, the mail in ballots, which has been a huge point of contention. Um, locally, as well as across the country, and even some of the things we've seen recently uh, with the Postmaster General, with some appointments made to that office, and even, you know, them having a lack of resources. So I guess, you know, one of the questions I have to you guys is, um, what are your general thoughts about the general election when it comes to the experience that you both just had? And how do you think things are going to play out? You know, obviously we're going to continue to advocate as the Urban League, as we did going into this one, to ensure that we have all the resources that we need and that it is done as safely as possible. Uh, but we want, we always want to make sure that we're getting feedback from our members, from the community on, you know, how they're feeling, things that they want to see, even if you have suggestions on what they could do to potentially make it safer. I, um, it, for me, it's, it's really hard to tell what the general election is going to look like compared to the primary runoff because they're just going to, it's going to be so different. The ballot's going to be longer for one. So now people are going to be in there longer, which means the lines will be longer. That's just part of it. Um, I do think that voting by mail would be a great alternative for people that, just are hesitant and want to stay safe. Um, but I think all the measures that they have in place could work with a lot more people. I just think that with the lines being so long, I just, I don't know, it just, it just kind of feels like 
we're kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't type thing where the lines are going to be long, then people are going to get frustrated. People, people will complain about the lines being long, but we're trying to keep you safe. But if you voted by mail, we wouldn't have this problem. So it's like, <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what a solution would be, especially given that it doesn't look like we're going to be having the option of voting by mail for everyone. It's just going to be open to the, to the people that meet that certain criteria. I think what we have right now is perfectly fine. I, I wouldn't change anything. The only thing I would hope is that we have enough polling locations. Yeah, I agree again with Jasmine. I think um, the concern is just with social distancing and having like a seamless process because um, not this past election, but I think it was the one in March. I went to the um, Prairie View Northwest campus when I voted and it was a very long line. I mean, I, it took me probably about an hour to get in and vote and get out and we weren't like social distancing. Was that February? Maybe it was right before COVID, all the craziness. Um, but it was it was definitely a longer line and I'm not sure if that was just because it was like primary. So the lines are split between parties and the party I was voting for was the longer line. Um, the other party was, there was no line, but we couldn't go and use those machines to vote. Um, so I, you know, I'm gonna vote anyway, but I could see how someone who you know, they show up and they don't have time. They're on break from lunch, you know, uh, lunch from, from work and they're not gonna wait an hour. They're not gonna wait two hours. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, Harris County has a plan um, for getting us through the line, opening up more, you know, polling locations and just making it, you know, a little bit more seamless than the primaries. Yeah, and just to, just to kind of add a little bit, I had a similar experience. Um, I voted in the prime, I guess it was March or, or February. It, I got there maybe about 7.30 and I waited about an hour. That line was very long. And I think people were frustrated because you could only vote for, or only machines were available for the one party and not for both. So in theory, if both, if both options were available, the line would have moved a little bit faster. I mean, we won't have that problem in the general election, but just for future primaries, I think they definitely need to consider something like that, like a way to figure out how many people may live in an area or just figure out whether to have the machines be smarter <laughs> so that you can just select your party. I think that that's probably a good option too. Yeah, that, that definitely was an issue um, that Marquia was speaking to under the previous leadership where a certain amount of polling places were allocated based along like party lines. I think they split it equally instead of amending the amount of machines per location based on the historical data of how each party showed up at those locations. And so as a result, you have people that were very upset, very long lines, but also because a lot of people don't necessarily exercise early voting. And I get it because there is historical significance when you're talking about election day. Uh, but I think part of our role as a community entity is to really talk to people in the community and letting them know that, hey, we get it, we understand it. However, we really need to early vote to the best of our ability to keep as much, keep traffic as low as possible on election day. And one of the good things is that uh, the county clerk Chris Hollins in his office did send a letter, uh, I think in conjunction with some other community leaders to Governor Abbott 
Um, and they did extend the early voting window, um, I think by a week. And I'll confirm that and we'll push that information out. Um, and so I think that's going to help. But even as you guys were talking, I was thinking about the push for more corporations and companies on election day to make that, you know, like a national holiday and give people the entire day. And not just like you said, Marquia, I think the lunch hour. And I think, you know, one of the things we should be doing now before we get there is talking to our companies because a lot of them have been issuing statements saying that, you know, they want to do more. And I think this is one of the ways where they can take a substantive action by giving people more leeway when it comes to when they vote, but it's also will help us to be safer. So, you know, it's a social justice thing, but it's also a public health thing, uh, even though they're, you know, very much intertwined. Um, and so you guys maybe think about that. So I'm definitely going to uh, speak to our national leadership as well as local leadership to see how we can potentially facilitate something like that. Um, now, one thing that was in the news pretty much the, I think it's been the last week, if not week plus, was the passing of a uh, civil rights legend, John Lewis. And now the Voting Rights Act uh, reauthorization act that actually today is the 55th anniversary and they renamed it after John Lewis and they are continuing to try to get that pushed through. Uh, however, it has been sitting with the Senate, I think for almost 240, maybe 250 days where they haven't acted on it. And, um, you know, I'm not sure they're going to do anything until we get a leadership change, but, uh, for both of you who are young leaders, what does John Lewis mean to you? Because, you know, I didn't even realize that he was somebody who started at the age of 20 when he really became uh, a prominent activist, at least, because I'm sure he had started to do things even prior to that, but when he really burst onto the scene. Uh, so what did he mean to, to each of you? I, I didn't know he was 20, so that's um, impressive because when I was 20, God knows what I was doing, but I wasn't uh, leading any civil rights movements. But um, I think that, I think it, it, it would mean the world to everyone, especially our community, um, for not only for them to pass the legislation, but rename it. Um, like voting is central to all of the issues that we're facing in our community. Um, our ancestors fought for this right. John Lewis, you know, fought for the right to vote. Um, and I think, you know, I agree with you, Ray, it's probably not going to see anything change until there's a leadership change. Um, and hopefully we do see that in November and then we can, you know, we can move forward with a lot of the issues that, um, you know, that we're facing and voting is one of them. Um, yeah, one of the things that I've, that I've always admired about, um, John Lewis is that he was so young when he started, um, just in general, young people, like we look down on them or us, our people look down on us because we're young and we're trying to shake things up. And it's just kind of his, his, um, his legacy just kind of validates that, you know, as a young person, you can, you can have your head on straight. You can, um, you can fight for things that you truly believe in and you can make change, even if, you know, 
the system or somebody um, is against you. I just, I, I always admired that about him, that, that he was so young and that he stayed, um, stayed engaged. I mean, for decades and just stayed committed to, to his, um, to his cause. And, um, I had forgotten that he actually marched with the students from Parkland. And that was what, two years ago, maybe. Um, so it's like, he just continued to, to, stay the same for, for, for all those years. And I think that that's just really um, admirable. I think it's also a blessing that he lived to be in his 80s, you know, being someone involved yeah. in civil rights, being involved in like the freedom movement, which, you know, comes with a lot of stress, can come with a lot of health conditions. He wasn't assassinated, thank God, you know. So I, um, you know, I'm blessed to be able to have, you know, known about John Lewis and like to see the work that he's done but it also puts it in perspective of like, this was the sixties, you know, when he was marching and, you know, this is 2020 and we're still fighting for voting rights. We're still trying to push Congress to pass, you know, voting rights legislation, Texas leads all states when it comes to voter suppression. And so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. I'm definitely a more radical type of millennial. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not about like slow progress. Like I like, let's go to the streets now. So I want to see, um, I definitely want to see some change, but I, um, I'm grateful to have had like a leader like, like John Lewis and, you know, um, CT Vivian and all the other civil rights leaders to, you know, pave the way for us. And, you know, it's, it's our turn now, I guess, to take over. Oh, and, um, you you definitely are more radical, I think, than uh, you know. But it, it's but it's necessary, Marquis. And I know you were laughing. I was laughing when you said it. Um, but I, I think it definitely embodies the quote that most people have been passing around from John Lewis that says, "You know, I want to see young people in America feel the spirit of the 1960s and find a way to get in the way." to find a way to get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. And so as long as you are, you know, trying to move the needle forward and you're trying to create progress, because we've seen, you know, across the political spectrum from the last election cycle to now, where Bernie Sanders as a candidate had all these ideas that were seen as, you know, socialists, that's crazy. But this election cycle, you saw many people adopting much of what he had in his platform. And so part of how we ultimately shift the conversation and create progress is to be radical with our ideas and suggestions. And even though we may not get all the way there, uh, it'll push us closer to where we need to be ultimately. So uh, we definitely have to continue to, to push the needle nationally, locally, uh, with many of those conversations to make sure that we get the progress that we really need in our communities and address the uh, the core issues and not just putting band-aids on these different things. Now, another huge civic topic that's going on, and it's a campaign we, we launched actually last fall, is the Make Black Count campaign around the census. Uh, because the census happens every 10 years. We've been talking about it for a long time. Uh, I think we've mentioned it almost every week when it comes to this podcast, uh, because it's imp important and it's critical when you're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars funding our community and ensuring that we have at least some of the resources that we need 
Now, I made an assumption. Did both of you complete your senses? Yes. Okay, you're nodding your heads. Um, why did you complete the census? Why is it important to you? Why Why should people take that less than five minutes uh, to complete the census? Complete your census because your community needs resources. Your community needs to be counted in all of the things that the census does like I, there's like a long list of, of things but I think I think the, the one thing and so I listened to uh the breakfast club podcast and I'm like months behind so I'm listening to I guess April now so since this day was back in April so I recently listened to that podcast and one of the hosts was just was talking about you know people being afraid to fill it out. And then another host was like, well, people complain out. Um, and I'm just trying to make sure I didn't freeze up on you guys. Yep, I froze. Can you all hear me? Yeah, you did a little bit, but you're, you're back now. Okay, yeah, I saw it, my little thing flash up. But um, essentially, complete your census because you need to be counted, your community needs to be counted, your kids need to be represented fairly, equally, um, and it takes like no time. It's very fast. It's very easy. That's the other thing. They made it convenient because they literally just want to count you. That's all they want to do. Sorry, Ray, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, just, you know, back during it. I agree. It's just, it's just a count. It's just a count, but I can see how, um, you know, certain people, you know, maybe people in the Hispanic community have concerns about personal information and that information being released to ICE and other, you know, law enforcement agencies to, you know, for deportation purposes. But um, that's one thing I found out was it's like completely um, illegal for ICE to access that information and use that to deport individuals, you know, so um, I think it's just more about educating the public, but I also don't fault someone who doesn't want to be deported. So they're like, I'm just not going to deal with it. Um, you know, but for me, it's just, it's really important just to be counted and for funding purposes, um, like representation in Congress, all of that is tied to the census information. Um, and this is like completely random, but I'm, I'm doing like the ancestry family tree thing right now. So I'm trying to like build my family tree on um, ancestry and a lot of the information that I'm getting about my ancestors is from the census. And so um, without them having done the census, you know, years ago, I would not know, you know, some of the information that I'm able to find out. So, you know, if you're scared, just think about your grandkids trying to find information on you or your great grandkids, you know, um, and just fill out the census. No, absolutely. And, you know, for me, the thing I've been trying to tell people is that I can't think of something that you can do in less than five minutes that will have hundreds of billions of dollars worth of impact for the next 10 years. And so why not? You know, part of the money comes out of your tax dollars. It's money that you're owed. And, you know, we look around our communities and we talk about lack of resources, part of it is tied to this. Now, the other piece to that is what we were talking about in terms of voting. 
you know, once you complete the census, it also matters in terms of who you put in office because in a lot of instances, they are then the ones that are directing and allocating those resources. And so are they doing so responsibly? Are they taking care of all communities or only looking at specific areas? And that's where accountability and those types of things come into play because it's all tied together. Um, and I guess the, the last thing before we get to close out is with the virus and everything that has been going on since I want to say, I think it was like March, at least here locally, when things started to really shut down, like this first or second week of March. Um, you know, how have you guys been adjusting, you know, financially, health-wise, like just making sure you guys are good and just seeing how you guys are doing? Um, I, I think I adjusted pretty well, which was kind of a surprise to me. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm always out doing something and I adjusted pretty well to staying at home. Um, I, I probably have only been out socially like maybe twice, three times this entire time when my parents, my dad had a birthday thing, a drive by. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely over those. Um, <laughs> I had uh, that, I went to the protest and I've gone to a pool. That is literally, my groceries have been ordered. I've been to my parents' house a lot more. Um, I did lose my job because I worked in oil and gas back in May and it took seven weeks for my first pay uh payment to come so that was not fun but you know i listened to my to all the advice that all of our speakers have given us from all the great um, urban league events so i had some savings so luckily i didn't have to i wasn't struggling but it was still frustrating uh not knowing when um when that check uh, uh would come in but um i'm working now so that's good but overall happy healthy Everybody in my family's happy and healthy, so just ready for us to figure out what the next thing is going to be for the city, the state, the nation, the world. Um, just being in limbo is kind of frustrating on that on that level. Um, well, I'm I'm really happy to hear that you're doing well, Jasmine. So um, that's really great. And for me, it was like the opposite because I'm an introvert, so um, I. I've adjusted well, um, like doing class from home is great. Like, I love that. I don't have to go and see people. Um, and, you know, but also it's like, um, it's, it's weird because this is funny. I was actually talking to Ray about it and I was just like, you know, I'm ready for us to get back to the new normal. And he burst my bubble and was just like, there's a new normal. Okay. And I was just like, okay, so you just burst my little bubble. But I appreciate that because that's the reality. Like we're living in a totally different new normal now, you know, classes are online. I never thought I would be doing law school online. Like never thought um, working from home and, you know, just doing everything like this meeting virtual, you know, um, so it's been an adjustment. The hardest part is just not being able to see my family and I have a new godson. He's three months old and I have not been able to go see him or hold him and my nephews and just, you know, just seeing my family and loving on them has been the hardest part. But 
I'm just grateful that we're all alive, we're healthy. Um, I'm blessed to be able to have my job and you know to be able to work from home. So um, I'm just I'm ready for the new normal, Ray. Um, but it'll be fine. No, it's it's definitely a blessing. Um, like you said, Marquia, to be able to work from home, and you know, Jasmine, that you were able to bounce back, uh, and now you know use. I think in part, a lot of skills that you developed over the years with the Urban League and now consult and get paid to do it. So I think that is super dope. Um, and, you know, I think I am a natural introvert, even though a lot of people don't know that about me uh, because I'm often leading in different spaces. But, you know, the fact that I've been able to spend time with my family has probably been my saving grace because you know, you still get stir crazy. And Dion is actually one of my neighbors. He's down like the block. But, you know, depending on what Dion's doing, I got to be like, okay, where you been? And uh, I got to stay away from him. But no, uh, I haven't been able to see my daughter. So that's been super tough. Um, I talked to my grandma. I haven't been able to see her. I talked to her for like 30 minutes last night. So that that is definitely been difficult. But we're continuing to to pray for all those that have been impacted by the virus, but also continue to push for different relief and resources. Uh, Cause even currently the Senate uh, is in negotiations on uh, the next round of stimulus. And so we're hoping that they come to some agreement soon because clearly communities across the country are hurting. Uh, and it's something that's very much needed. And, you know, as we close out, is there anything that you guys want people to know about you or support or follow up with you about anything that you want them to know about? I am good. I'm, I'm doing well. Just continue to pray for me. I'll pray for y'all. Yeah, same. Um, I, I will, if you, if you need help with, any strategic planning consultant, you can give me a call because that's that's my new gig now. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm 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 good. If you if you need me, give me a holler. So how do they find you? Uh, email would be best. Okay. Should I give the email? Yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, um, Jasmine. J-A-S-M-I-N-E dot Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R, one zero at live, L-I-V-E dot com. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Absolutely. Uh, we want to make sure that we are supporting our members because whether people realize it or not, YPs are volunteers, so they do all of this work for free. So definitely want to push them and support them as much as we can. Uh, and as Marquia mention uh we're praying for you all pray for us thank you for joining us again on empower make sure that you are registered to vote uh whether you're here in houston harris county somewhere in the state of texas or in this country reclaim your vote and vote 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 to learn more about how the houston area urban league is impacting the community and ways you can get involved visit us online at haul.org follow us on twitter at hou urban league 
And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or whichever podcasting platform you enjoy. Thanks for listening to Empower, presented by the Houston Area Urban League.